monumental importance in the uh, Vaishnava culture, particularly Gorya Vaishnava culture. It's, uh, of course, India today is different India, but previously it was this Gita Govinda was well known all over India. been tremendously influential on the devotional culture. Many songs and dances and dramas have been based on Gita Govinda. The, uh, the Bengali or Gorya Vaishnava Lila Kirtan tradition is uh, literally thousands of songs composed in pursuance of the topics of Gita Govinda. And uh, up to the present day, the daily Gita Govinda is recited before Lord Jagannath with. Yeah. And uh, previously the Devi Dasis, the dancing girls, would dance for the pleasure of Lord Jagannath. Now that is done by various uh, men who dance particular dances which are made to go with the Sanskrit verses of Gita Govinda. I've heard that in Mayapur also, our Bhakti Vidyapurna Swami from not every day, but I'm not sure, maybe, maybe once a month or on a Kadashi or something, he also recites within within the Garbha Griha, before, within the deity room, for the pleasure of Radha Madhu. He recites Gita Krishna's leaving, Radha's leaving, Radha abandoning Krishna, and their eventual reunion. So there was a time not long ago among Bengali Vaishnavas when this, all the different technical terms connected with this, there was, it was all well known to them. It was so much deep in the culture. However, certain sections of Gita Govinda are uh, well, it's all highly esoteric, but some of it to uh, untrained persons appears to mirror mundane sexuality. Although actually the mundane sexuality is a perverted reflection of Radha Krishna's spotless pastimes because of the uh, misuse of these intimate topics by uh, misuse and misunderstanding these intimate topics by materially lusty people, our recent Gorya Vaishnava Acharyas have forbidden or highly restricted 
the recitation of Gita Govinda. Although it is the actual subject of hearing for all devotees, because there is a question of qualification that one must be pure in heart to hear that, uh, therefore its recitation has become, uh, well, we'll have to wait for the day when, when we're qualified to recite it. Paradoxically, it's for everyone and it's for only very, very few. Gita Govinda opens with a few introductory verses and then with the uh, song which is often was usually sung separately from the rest of Gita Govinda, which is the Dashavata Stotra, which is, or used to be, well known in this part of India as Ashtapadi, in which uh, Jaidev Goswami introduces Krishna, who is the, I guess, the protagonist in the norm, is it Radha? Anyway, Radha Krishna. Can there be two protagonists in one drama? It means like the, I guess you could say the hero. The, the Nayaka and the Nayaki, the, the hero and the heroine of Gita Govinda are Krishna and Radha. So uh, Jayadeva Goswami introduces this Krishna, by the way, lest, you, lest anyone misunderstand, he happens to be the Supreme Personality of Godhead. He's not some ordinary human being who's got a girlfriend. But that same Lord who's spotted in the water as the fish, fish avatar, the uh, matsya avatar, and again in the water is kurama avatar. And again in the water as Varaha Avatar. And then in the half man, half lion form as Narasimha. Then as a little boy, very sweet boy, Bhavana. Then a very violent avatar. He kills the Kshatriya dynasty 21 times, Parashurama. And uh, Ramachandra Bhagavan, himself a Kshatriya, Parana. He also met Parashurama and thought, well, now there's a powerful Kshatriya, so I should go and kill him. <laughs> Rama defeat, Ramachandra defeated Parashurama, who then understood that his, his incarnation was time for him to retire. And he retired and went to do tapasya and meditation. So the next is said by some to be Krishna, said by some to be Balaram, and said in, and in Puri Jagannath. Who's the next? Who's the next? Balaram, but generally Balaram, but the Madhvas say Krishna. And in Puri it's Jagannath. Jaidev Goswami speaks of uh, Balaram as the next avatar. And then Buddha and Kalki. So Keshava Dhritta Dashavidha Rupa Jaya Jagadisha is this Keshava who is the subject of Gita Govinda, he is all these different avatars. This is an introductory song at the beginning of Gita Govinda, which is a series of songs. It's, to be, it's composed in a manner to be sung. 
and, and then next, before beginning the story of Gita Govinda, the, uh, the Jaijai offers one more song. This song, which is uh, yeah, known as Mangala Gita, which, which is a very auspicious song. Uh, the first songbook in Iskon had this song in it. And we used to sing this song, and it's very beautiful. And, but then in the second edition, it wasn't included. When uh, Achutananda, who I think was a brahmachari at that time, was he wrote to Srila Prabhupada about making a songbook, and it seems he asked about including some song from Gita Govinda. And Prabhupada said, yes, you can include this one, Srita Kamala Kuchamana. The song beginning like this. Those who are preaching, those, those who are preaching under Prabhupada's order in South India, even today we still meet people who say, well, I met Achutananda. I told him that when I met him recently, just two weeks ago or something, in, uh, in Alachua. He's joined the Alachua community of Iskon devotees. So anyway, Prabhupada suggested to include this. But then in another letter, after that, Prabhupada wrote, he said, don't include this. He said, our Guru Maharaj does not allow, did not allow this. Even though Krishna Das Babaji sometimes sings it. That's one of Prabhupada's godbrothers who is very famous as a Kirtani. So he said, Prabhupada said, this is a song for Siddhas, not for those who are in the perfectional stage, not for those who are in the stage of sadhana. From my inquiries, it seems that Pakistan sorcerers sometimes he allowed this song to be sung, but it depended who was singing and was like other songs for for devotees in the higher stages, he would allow them to be sung under circumstances, certain circumstances. So I'm not going to sing this regularly, and nor should you. But uh, by singing it and explaining it, we can get some glimpse into the beauty of Krishna Lila. That, that awaits us. And in, even without understanding Sanskrit, we can just by hearing the sound of the words, we can appreciate how beautiful is the poetry. Which is uh, uh, undoubtedly one of the reasons why Gita Govinda is, has achieved such a position of monumental importance. The exquisite beauty of Jaidev's poetry uh, totally complements the, or, or not, not only complements, enhances the mood of the pastimes that are described. So, yes, yeah, Prabhupada said this is for liberated souls. Actually, uh, only the first line has some, uh, is, a, is a statement which could be misunderstood by mundaners as uh, similar to the mundane sex. But actually, most of what, what are considered very intimate literature, intra, inti, intimate compositions describing the 
uh, intimate pastimes of Radha and Krishna. They're mostly all like that. They're mostly all? all like that. It's not that it's like, a, you know, like some totally sleazy, sleazy description. Sleazy, you want to look it up in the dictionary? S-L-E-A-Z-Y. It means like vulgar, sexually vulgar. But among descriptions of various pastimes, there may be just some small description of something that to a mundanely influenced person would seem like some mundane sexual description. And for those who are perfect devotees, then it's just part of the description. Radha and Krishna do this. They, they sit together in a bower. They sit together in a forest garden. They sing together. They play together. They joke together. They eat together. So all these descriptions will be there. And then there may be some description of something which would appear to a mundaner like some mundane sexual behavior. And to a pure devotee, it's, it's just, there's no difference. It's, it's all ananda chinmaya rasa. It's all perfectly pure, spiritual, blissful exchange. It doesn't, it's just another form of that perfect, pure, blissful, spiritual exchange. But for others, it may disturb their minds. And because we are so ourselves uh, addicted to that jararas or the mundane emotional taste, we may take it that Krishna is also on that platform. Instead of, instead of thinking that I am contaminated, we think Krishna is contaminated. Instead of understanding that everything Krishna does is completely pure and that our, des our desires are perverted reflections of his desires, we mess it all up and get it around the wrong way. Therefore, such descriptions are or should be forbidden from conditioned souls. Um, even though the, the apparently sexual content is percentage-wise it may be only like explicit, what you might call explicitly sexual content is only like 1% or 2%. It is forbidden. Uh, there's a great mystery to the Westerners who came to study Indian culture. They, they saw in the Bhakti cult there's a tremendous body of uh, philosophical literature and uh, vast culture of bhakti. Uh, they, they saw that it was what they considered to be the, the peak of religion, Christianity. It's such a such an understanding. They saw that the bhakti cult of Vaishnavism was closest to that. But it was a complete mystery to them why this whole culture 
should be uh, should culminate and be centered on what to them seem to be wholly vulgar. Although those who are practitioners of this, those who are members of, or those who are followers of the Bhakti cult, they never considered Radha Krishna to be vulgar. So as I said, only the first line of this song appears to be somewhat, yeah, it appears to be of, of, of a sexual description. So we won't misunderstand that. In other songs also that we sing, Bhaktino Thakos, Yashamati Nandam, we sing, one line is there, Gopiva Sanahara, one name for Krishna. He steals the garments of the gopis. So these are songs for Vaishnavas. That uh, they're expected not to misunderstand us. So uh, I... I'll read the song and the translation next. And for five minutes you can all chant Hare Krishna. And I'll come back. Chant? Literally means he who rests on the breasts of Lakshmi. Or Kamala can also mean Radha. Shrita Kamala Kucha Mandala. Shrita Kamala Kucha Mandala. Shrita is a different word. So we can also say he, he rests in the, or he's, yeah, he rests in the heart of Radha. Dhrita means he's wearing earrings. Particularly Kundala gives the sense of round earrings. Shrita Kundala. Kundala and Dhrita. 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 Actually, it's described that Krishna... He may have many earrings, but it's described that he has uh, ear decorations with the shape of a makara. Krita kundala kalita lalita vanamala. So, kalita lalita vanamala means he wears a beautiful, uh, charming garland of forest flowers. As Krishna is wandering in the forest, playing his flute with the cows and the cowherd boys, some of them may pick some different forest flowers and string a garland and present it to Krishna. That's in the daytime. And at the nighttime, he's again in the forest. So at night, the gopis, they may take... He, at night, he's with the gopis in the forest, so they may again take some forest flowers and string them for Krishna. Jaya Jaya Deva Hare. Jaya means, well, it's an expression of praise, all glory to, victory to. And Jaya Deva is translated here as he who defeats all the demigods. So that's one translation. He, he surpasses all the demigods in all qualities. It's really silly that people worship demigods. Whatever qualities the demigods have got are present millions and billions of times over in Krishna. 
Uh, Krishna also literally defeats the demigods. For instance, Krishna sometimes fights with Indra and defeats him, sometimes fights with Shiva and defeats him. Jayadeva can also mean the, the, the god of victory or the god who is victorious. God who is worshipped by Jaya, by victory personified. Jaya is also a name of one of the doorkeepers of Vaikundas, so he's the lord of that Jaya also. So these are just some of the many meanings of the name Jaya Deva. It's also the name of the poet who composed this song. So he's, he's praying Jaya Jaya Deva Hare means to Hari, claim to Hari. So in this way he's claiming Hari as Jayadev's Hari, or the Hari of Jayadev, of himself. In the next verse, Dinamani Mandala Mandana Dinamani means, Dina means day, money means jewel. <coughs> so the Dina money or the the jewel of the day is the sun. This is a poetic name for the sun. And dina money mandala means yeah mandala means well it can mean the very um, the sun planet, the round sun planet, or it can mean the whole expanse, the whole area to which the sun rays reach. So Krishna is Dinamani Mandala Mandana. He is the ornament of the sphere of the sun. I'm translating it differently. I have the right to translate it differently to the translator who translated it here. Yeah, this is not the translation. I'm not necessarily translating according to what's written here. There may be many translations, many ways this can be translated. So, the, uh, <coughs> the sun is the jewel of the day, but Krishna is the decoration that decorates, the, that, that decorates everything that the sun gives light to. The sun gives light that this world is by nature dark. By the interaction of the sunlight, the eyes, and the objects of vision, the process of vision takes place. All these three items are necessary for vision. There should, there should be eyes that work and are open, objects of vision, and light. But there's nothing worth seeing than Krishna. Anyone who sees anything except Krishna is misusing their power of vision. This whole world appears very pleasing to the materialists. They are very happy to see, they're very happy to be in a, in a world without Krishna. They are attempting to be happy in a world without Krishna. The actual fact is that no one can be happy without Krishna. So in their perverted state, of, they think it's pleasing to be in a world with no Krishna. Krishna kindly comes to this world, 
and this world which would be meaningless without him becomes meaningful by his presence. The only meaning of existence is Krishna. Without Krishna there's no meaning. So the, the asuras, they make some philosophy that everything is meaningless. In other words, they want to say that there is no Krishna. And, uh, yeah, they, they imagine that there's no God. But there is Krishna, and he comes to show that there is meaning, and that meaning is himself. The sun is very happy to see Krishna. The sun is shedding light on so many different objects. But there's, there's nothing, the sun takes no pleasure in illuminating anything without a connection with Krishna. So the only object of vision is Krishna. Nothing looks nice, nothing is nice without Krishna. We find in Gita Govinda the gopis are searching for Krishna. Because without Krishna, everything seems blank, vacant, empty. Even Vrindavan with its beauty and its forests, Yamuna, everything, without Krishna seems to be totally empty. So this is transcendental nirvisheshavada. The separation of the gopis from Krishna is the most exalted state. That they cannot find anything of value without Krishna. That without Krishna they see everything is just all the same, completely useless and empty. The perverted nirvisheshavada is to find everything is useless and empty and meaningless and there's no Krishna either. So this is translated here also that his Krishna's ornaments are as beautiful as the orb of the sun. Another translation could be that the the sun and everything within it, everything revealed by it, is Krishna's ornament. Yadyat vibhuti matsatvam srimad urjitam eva atattat eva vagachatvam mamate jongshasambhavam Krishna says that everything that appears to be uh, of any, uh, any, anything beautiful, glorious, mighty, powerful, is simply produced from a, a spark of my splendor. So just as the, uh, the gopis, they collect forest flowers to garland Krishna. So, uh, anything in this world, if, if, if perceived of as being valuable, Actually, its value only comes if it's perceived in relation to Krishna. Without that relation, without seeing everything in relation to Krishna, everything is dead, useless. So there's no harm in seeing this world as beautiful. Beautiful! Because the machine working in the next plot, digging up the ground, doesn't look or sound beautiful. But there may have been a time not very long ago when this area was rice fields or orchards and probably looked quite beautiful. There are forest areas and mountains and waterfalls which look very beautiful. 
so we can appreciate that beauty of the creation as being just a spark of Krishna's beauty. Just as Krishna accepts the forest flowers uh, as a decoration, although actually he is the decoration of everything, so we can see that everything in this world as simply announcing the glory and the beauty of Krishna. Then the next line, Bhava Khandana. Krishna is he who breaks the cycle of birth and death. Bhava means coming into being. Bhava Bina And it's a synonym of material existence. Because in material existence there is coming into being, Janma, which is followed by destruction, Mrityu, and it's a cycle. In human life, we, we take birth with a stockpile of material desires. We perform various activities in pursuance of those material desires. In this way, we perform various pious and or impious activities. And in this way, uh, at the very time that we are acting during this human life and attempting to fulfill various desires, at the same time, with every action, we are preparing our future existence. By acting, by, by performing any activity, according to the laws of karma, we create, we make a reaction, which means that we will have to get born again to experience that reaction. Constantly within the mind there's the flow of thought. And sometimes we latch onto some desire. And we think, yes, we, we latch onto some desire or, or some object or, or idea. And we think, yes, I would like that. So in this way we create future existence. While living this life, yeah, we make the utpati of the next so many lives. The creation. The cre yeah. Yeah. The, the, when we say creation, it's not creation according to the Christian stupid idea. Ex nihilo. Out of nothing. But creation is just a stage. I, with, creation is just a stage in the ongoing drama it's just another act in the ongoing drama or the tragedy of every jiva's material existence. It's not that there's nothing and all of a sudden there's everything. This idea has been imported from Christian dogma or imagination into so-called scientific dogma or imagination. Actually, in the Vedic literature, Srimad Bhagavatam, we can find the... Uh, the seed of this idea of creation from nothing. That it's described that prior to creation of the universe, which is uh, which happens again and again, Bhutva Bhutva Praliyate, there is the Pradhan, which is the unmanifested matter. So it's the unmanifested matter and the the jivas, their desires are also unmanifest. It's all as if apparently nothing, but it's 
its potential uh, cosmos. That is the uh, supta avasta, or the, the unmanifest or sleeping condition. So, so you see someone sleeping and they get up. And you may think, well, they were dead and they got up and all of a sudden they're acting in the world. But they're not, they weren't dead, they were sleeping. One goes to sleep at night if there's not construction going on in the next plot. And you forget what you, what you were doing in the day. Then you get up in the morning and you continue. So creation is like that. There are various stages of creation. I mean, there's the cosmic manifestation when all the, all the dormant jivas come back to life as if from a long sleep. And then each birth is another creation. But it is a continuum. And it seems impossible to break out of that. Because when you see something or hear something or smell something or think of something, that immediately creates, it's not just an impression, but with that comes a desire either to enjoy it or avoid it or exploit it or smash it or whatever. So it seems impossible to separate the senses from the sense objects. They're, they're, intim- they're so intimately connected. How do you disconnect the senses from the sense objects? But as long as this internet connection goes on, then repeated birth and death goes on. And this was the question of the four Kumaras. After billions of years of meditation and philosophical speculation, they came up with this question, well, how do you get liberated? Because the senses are just, they're totally interconnected with the sense objects. But as long as you disconnect them, as long as you don't disconnect them, you have to get born again and again. Unless you disconnect them, then you have to get, you can't get liberation. But you can't disconnect them. We're trapped. This was their conclusion after, you know, after billions of years of thinking about it. So they asked Brahma, and he also had a mental break, nervous breakdown in all of his four heads. He couldn't answer it either. Oh, I never thought about that. No, what are you doing? We're trapped. And then the Hamsa Avatar, Vishnu appeared. He said, you're all stupid people. He told him, you're all stupid people. What about me? You forgot about me. Don't you realize that that's the whole problem, that you don't realize that everything is connected with me. That's why you're in Maya. Because you just perceive through the senses, the sense objects without perceiving me, therefore you're stuck in this miserable world thinking how to get out of it. When you remember me and see me in everything, then you... uh, you, you break the cause of material bondage, which is forgetfulness of me. The cause of material bondage is not, as you stupid people, I mean, they're the most intelligent people in the universe, but uh, materially, but he said that the cause of material bondage is not, as you stupidly consider it to be, the interaction of the senses with the sense objects. That's only the, that's only the superficial cause. It's failure to perceive Krishna that is the, uh, to recognize Krishna, that is the cause of material bondage. If, you, if we see Krishna everywhere, then where, where is the material bondage? The same seeing, hearing, touching, tasting, smelling, feeling and thinking that is that we consider to be the cause of material bondage is itself 
liberated. I mean, you don't even have to think about liberation. You're automatically on the liberated state if we see, touch, taste, smell, feel, hear, and think about Krishna. So Krishna is bhavakandana. He, he breaks material existence. By Krishna bhavana, by thinking of Krishna, then bhavakandana, material existence is broken. And Krishna is munijana manasahamsa. The, he is the swan sporting in the mind of the munis. The muni means one who, a philosopher, we can say philosopher. So real philosophy means to understand the essence, to, to uh, separate the essence from the superficial. So just as the hamsa, the swan, can... Uh, from a mixture of milk and water, extract the milk, so that the real philosophers, they understand what is the essence of existence. So the essence of existence is Krishna. And the real great philosophers, they sport, just like the swan sports in the water, so they, they sport in the remembrance of Krishna. Instead of thinking of various abstruse, abstract, Philosophical concepts. The real monies think of Krishna. Do you know what these words mean? Abstruse means subtle, sukshma, and abstract is. So Krishna is not a philosophical concept. When we've been through all philosophical concepts, then we come to appreciate Krishna. People have been through millions of philosophical concepts and found them all to be imperfect and complete. They finally may understand that the ultimate reality is Krishna. Generally, the speculative philosophers, they gravitate toward an impersonal understanding of reality, which is not correct, because reality is not. After many, many lifetimes of trying to become perfect in impersonal realization, they finally realize that, well, the, the ultimate is not impersonal anyway. As the English saying goes, they're barking up the wrong tree. The idea is that a dog is chasing a cat, and the cat enters a forest and runs up a tree. So the dog is standing underneath a tree and barking. Looking up. Looking up. But the cat's in another tree. So the impersonalists, they're making so much effort to become impersonally realized, but they're barking up the wrong tree. Because real spiritual realization is not impersonal, it's Krishna realization. Krishna realization. So that Krishna is described next. Kaliya Vishadhara Ganjana E. Kaliya, one of the uh, snakes in Krishna Lila. Various snakes in Krishna Lila. Kaliya is one of them. He was a poisonous snake. This Aghasura, we don't have record of him being a poisonous snake. He was like a python. A python is very dangerous, can kill you. But not by poison, but by crushing you and swallowing you. Mostly pythons don't eat humans. They can kill you. 
that the poisonous snake, even a very small poisonous snake, some of them can kill people. So Kaliya was maybe the most poisonous snake in the history of the world. And Krishna crushed him. Krishna is known as Janaranja. He gave, gives great pleasure to the people. Not everyone. Kaliya didn't feel. Kaliya got Ganjana, not Ranjana. He got crushed, not pleasure. But by giving Ganjana, by, by being Ganjana to Kaliya, Krishna became Ranjana for the Vrajajana Ranjana, for the residents of Vrindavan. So Krishna is the giver of pleasure to his devotees. Other devotees are also mentioned. Yadu Kula Nalina Dinesha. Yeah. So there are different lotus flowers. Some of them bloom in the day and some of them bloom in the night. Nalina means a day-blooming lotus. And Dinesha is another name of the sun. Krishna is like the sun that causes the member of the Yadu dynasties to blossom. We often hear about the separation of the residents of Vrindavan from Krishna. But when Krishna was away from Mathura or Dwaraka, when the Yadus were residing there, they also felt great separation from Krishna. So, um, it's Krishna, when he returned to Dwaraka, it was as if the the, the light had come back to their lives. Just like the, the sun arises and brings light. Um, so just like they, the Yadus in the absence of Krishna were feeling like a withered up lotus flower. But when Krishna returned to Dwaraka, then they felt as if the, the lotus of their life was re-blossomed. Is that the time? 1.15? Is that the right time? Where's my watch there? 1.10. Alright, well the next one I'm going to say will... The next verse will take quite some time to discuss. So, I'll finish here for now. Arudasana. Yeah, so, alright, we'll finish now. For now. And see you all later. Looks like you all need Krishna in your lives because everyone's withered up and dried up. All tired, is it, from overnight travel? Sorry. Actually, you just took prasad and now again it's prasad. <laughs> Maybe that's why everyone's tired. <laughs> anyway, take good rest and... Uh, we have an evening. Well, the program's not in the evening till like 6 o'clock or something. What do we do before that? I mean, we should do something. We go on Harinam. We should do something transcendental, right? Otherwise, it's going to be the... Uh, it's going to be the... Uh, everyone will enter the Pradhan. And just be unmanifest. Until... We're supposed to, like, wake up in the day, but instead it will be like Rakshas. As we'll all sleep in the day and come to... After sunset, we'll come to life. Yeah, so what's the program? Apart from sleeping. 4.30. Okay, 4.30. 4.30, Harinam starting from here.
That means sometime after 4.30. <laughs> In other parts of the world, if you say 4.30, it's understood that everyone should arrive before 4.30. But in any way, in India, when you say 4.30, it means not before 4.30. <laughs> Sometime after 4.30. But Krishnadas says it will leave at 4.30. He's confident that we will go against the whole Indian tradition. <laughs> Actually, there's some things we could take from the Western culture that would be useful. Punctuality would save a lot of time if we did things on time instead of just whenever we felt like it. Just like we saw on that website, the train timetable, and it said, uh, average, okay, for each train, average number of minutes late for each train. One, one train was average one hour, 30 minutes late. Another only eight minutes late. It's just expected to be late. <laughs> but in Krishna's service, we want to... What is that? What is that? Avyakta uh, yeah, not, not wanting to waste any time. Time is valuable. We should use it. Utilize it in Krishna's service. Okay, Hare Krishna. We'll continue this Krishna willing tomorrow. Hare Krishna. Jaya Jaya Deva Hare. Shila Prabhupada Ki Jaya. Hare Krishna.